Good day, everyone. Welcome back to the Powerhouse Perspective, Empowering Leaders for Business Breakthroughs. If you haven't joined us before, I'm Scott Medeiros, the president of Helmwise, and this is Chandler Rose, the CEO of the Rosewood Family of Companies. In our last podcast, podcast number six, we covered neurochemistry and the importance of the, chemi- the chemicals in the brain in helping us make decisions and the awareness of those chemicals in the decision-making process. Today, we're going to take that a little bit further and talk about how we actually make decisions as we plan our journey going forward with our crew and our ship to achieve our hopefully noble why. So the concept that we have within Helmwise is called OAR, O-A-R. So you can think of an OAR of a ship or of a boat. You use it in order to propel things forward. But for OAR for us inside of Helmwise stands for Orient, Align, and Reckoning. And the first step of that process, the orient process, is really where those neurochemicals we talked about last time come to play. Because this is where the captain, the leader of the business, starts to analyze themselves against where they're potentially going on their journey. And so being aware of those neurochemicals helps them make better decisions. So Chandler, as we talk about orienting and understanding ourselves, What is probably one or two things in dealing with our uh, neurochemical balances that we should be aware of as a captain? Uh, Key to it, we covered a lot of the ways it may impact decisions, is to realize it's precognition. So a lot of that's happening before it gets to the parts of your brain where you have auditory and visual learning and actually to the prefrontal cortex. So it's something you've already set in motion. And so if you're aware of it and you take a second to just... Take a breath, think about what's going on, and then to orient and be aware of how it may be impacting you. Those are automatic triggers that kick on and off before you get a chance to think about it. So since it's happening almost automatically, taking that pause and actually being aware and conscious is the, the, the defense against potentially being swayed in one direction or another. Certainly, if you look at the neurochemicals, but if you move into uh, psychology of influence and behavior under Cialdini, mm-hmm. a lot of his has to do with one, being attentive and aware that it's happening, similar to our neurochemicals, and two, take a second to consider whether this is a decision you want to make. Um, and then you, we're not going to go down the list of the seven ways that you uh, get influenced. It's pretty well tested and, and accepted throughout mm-hmm. psychology, but you identify those and then you really, if it's attractiveness, if it's social pressure, just take a second and go, would I want to make this decision if I wasn't in this situation? So all things being neutral, would I want it? Similarly, you know, if you feel yourself wound up or you feel yourself anxious, there may be good reason to be anxious. But you need to take a second and make sure that you identify why you're anxious or why you feel like you need to move forward or you need to lean a little more on your relationships and get that oxytocin or, you know, you feel like you're falling behind. So ter- serotonin mm-hmm. saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, you may actually be falling behind. Right. Um, or is it just an ego thing that you feel like, oh, Scott read, you know, his hundredth more book than I have. And so <laughs> now I need to read at least one more so I can never catch up. So, Well, it also seems during that pause that the captain is taking to, again, to be aware of the potential neurochemical uh, impacts that are happening. It's also a great time to reevaluate that the decision you're about to make is aligned with your personal values. We've talked about that in previous podcasts, and we talk about the need for humility. 
the need for sacrifice, the need for stewardship, and the need for legacy thinking. And so I think during that pause, it's also a good time to say, okay, am I indeed about to make a decision that is aligned with my personal values and also that is going to reinforce the values of the organization? We talked a little bit in the, in the past about culture, right? So I think that pause is a very key, key point. I think often as, as leaders, we tend to think we need to act almost instantaneously. Uh, something occurs, we got to make a quick decision, and that need to do it quickly shows leadership. But in reality, that pause and really making a well thought out decision is more important. It's not the speed of the decision, it's the effectiveness of the decision. Yeah, I mean, another area that you can really see this play out is the fight or flight, okay. you know, freeze or foam. And so I have two daughters as a good, good example. One of them is a fight instantly. And she's the more skittish of the two daughters. But if she gets panicked or something happens, she immediately goes to fight, which is kind of opposite of how she normally is. The other more outgoing daughter, <clears throat> she's a flight. And so the way I've explained it to them is you can't really change that initial response. Again, it's similar to you. That's triggered before you even cognitively thought about it. But what you can do is if you take that step to to flight and you have someone you need to protect, take a just quick pause, spin around, and go back. So if you're aware that's your tendency, you can also, same with fight. You don't want to make every fight, as you know, as a right. military leader. Every fight is not the fight you want. You pick Correct. your battles and you fight where you, you know, you pick where you want Correct. to have the fight. Um, and so you, if you have the tendency to want to fight, you still want to have that pause. But those are non, well, they're definitely in business, but, you know, pretty everyday life people understand that they have a natural response. Take a second. One, decide if it's appropriate. Two, is it appropriate now? Right. And, and then really think about it. And then as we talk about orienting ourselves and our, you know, like you mentioned, the why, the values, and obviously the company itself. And is your company capable of actually right. making this decision and move? That's where you start getting into the align line part of the, the next part is so we orient all those we decided something good now what so what would you say right. would be kind of that next step of you know we, we see a change in the business environment or you know a new product line launches by a competitor or something that really prompts us to mm -hmm. have to act mm -hmm. so we agree that the action the response is necessary now what yeah now what before we before we get to that as you were, were <clears> speaking <throat> about this need for pause a couple of thoughts came to mind Number one is probably why those who go through anger management, it talks about count to 10, right? It's, it's creating that pause, that little bit of, of time between reacting versus responding. And I think as leaders, we want to respond and not react. So I think that's, that's a, a key concept. Also, as, as we think about moving the, a company forward, and you mentioned the military, but even there where you think you need to make an instantaneous decision because it's life or death, Right. But generally what is taught as a, an officer and as you're moving your your Marines through a, a difficult situation is you make a decision, you move, but then you get to that next position of cover and you think again, you take the pause. So the pause is actually happening. It just it seems like it's this instantaneous decision when actually it's not. But when it comes to a line. So if we if we look at Orient is about knowing yourself and knowing your business and kind mm -hmm. of doing that quick evaluation. The align piece really is, you know, where are we and where are we going? Two key questions there. And as we orient ourselves and align ourselves with where we are and where we are going, 
we've got to look to that North Star. And we've got to say, what is that, that true long-term vision that we have? Because if we're going in the direction of that North Star and we know where we are, now we can set a course to that next waypoint, that next destination. Um, often I think that when people set their vision, they think they're going to get to that vision in just one jump. And it's not. It's a bunch of micro steps. We call them waypoints within Helmwise. And you're constantly navigating to each of these waypoints because conditions change. So I think during Orient, it's all about where you are and where you're going. And I think that's where the North Star piece has to come into this equation. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, it's, it is where you pivot from analysis, really, like you said, of yourself and the business, and then you start relying a lot more on communication. Mm. And so when you, you take that appraisal, then you get together and you say, all right, well, the purpose of this business is what? You know, that's our purpose, right. our why, and right. that's our North Star. And then where do we agree we were trying to get in our BHAG, our five-year or 10-year goal? And then you break it down to your point on waypoints. But you also say, is this in alignment with our values? Is our team on board with this? Because we're not actually picking a direction yet. Correct. We are just circling up the team, laying out what we see is, here's where we are. Here's the situation. Are we all still in this together? So it's similar to your ad car, which you can spend a little bit of time on that part of it. But, um, you know, so think of um, sci-fi movies when they, they warm up a laser or something. They align all those plates and get it charged up. Yes. That's really a, what we're doing in alignment. We haven't actually picked a target yet to go yeah, and point that. Death star. Yeah. So we, we, we power it up by getting everyone back together, what you're seeing, get agreement that we see it restate our purpose and, and what we're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. We haven't even picked if we need to go to that waypoint or, or if conditions change so much, we need to go somewhere else or backtrack or what we need to do. And so I think alignment, people want to jump right again into your point, into action. Well, now you took a quick assessment. You took the pause in your war analogy. Now you need to assess your team and make sure they're ready for the next. You can't just say, all right, we made it to the next point. We're behind this point right, of cover. right. All right, group, let's go now. Just keep going. You got to look back. How much ammo do they have? Who's taking lead? Who's, you know, is everyone there? That's an important part. Yeah, an excellent point because as we work through this <clears throat> this acronym of OR, you know, orient, align, and then reckoning, that that transition from orient to align and from align to reckoning, there are some transitional kind of questions that we're asking mm -hmm. ourselves. And as we get in between orient, align, and now working our way towards the final peace and reckoning, that part about what capabilities do I need? And more importantly, before you can ask that, you got to ask what potential conditions am I going to encounter on my journey to this next waypoint? Is it going to be something where I need people who can adapt quickly to change? And you mentioned earlier about ADCAR. ADCAR is an acronym for awareness, desire, knowledge, ability, and reinforcement. It comes from a, a methodology done by ProSci, and it's what most change managers who have been educated or certified in that methodology follow a process of change. And that first piece, awareness, right? Then awareness. the desire. Yeah. Do people want to go on this journey? That's probably an important question you've got to assess between you and your crew is, look, this is where yeah. we're going potentially to this next waypoint. Are you on board? Otherwise, I'm going to be fighting a lot of drag, as we would say in aviation, because people are resisting. They don't want to go on this particular journey. But in order to know who you need as a crew, you've got to assess what conditions that you're going to encounter. You know, what skill sets do you need? What talents do you need? And that's going to help you 
ensure that you have the right people and now with that alignment with that important communication that they're going to all be rowing going back to the or analogy rowing in the right direction yeah in a, in a practical sense i mean we had this once with one of the the first company that we had we did at the time a little bit of work in mexico all 50 states and some in canada we've been doing that a little while and we had a potential uh, buyer or merger to take it and put it in with a publicly traded company that worked in Europe, Asia, India, mm-hmm. around the world. And so to your, do you have the desire, that leap from you know, basically North America to global uh, was one really when I sat down with my, my wife, Meredith, who, who's part of the team, and uh, that wasn't in the cards for us. We traveled enough to, to try to get things right, going right. You know, across North America where you could get to it and back fairly easy. Um, going to South America and and around the globe, um, that was sort of that next right. next step. And you know, we chose not to do that. But it's uh, certainly a in that alignment part. Are we aligned that this is a decision we want to even make? No. And so there are practical times where that comes up, and you really need to assess: is it just a shiny object? Is it ego? Is it money? What are you are you really in alignment with what your stated values mm-hmm. are? And are we moving for the right reasons as opposed to some other reason? Well, very, very similar to we talked about the pause during the Orient phase. You know, there, there has to be this pause or this re- reflection and analysis during the aligned phase, right? At least you were aware of the challenges that were going to be potentially encountered with traveling throughout the globe. And you had that communication. You took the time to ensure that your crew, in this case, Meredith, was indeed on board, so you try to get that alignment, and you say, hey, look, these two plates are not coming together. So we're not gonna be able to focus that laser energy that you mentioned earlier towards this next next destination. So what a great time to figure that out before you're in the middle of the ocean going, hey, I don't wanna be on this boat, right? So I think that's, again, another important pause that leaders need to do. As they're going through and figuring out where they are and where they're going, what capabilities do they need, and whether or not the the team is is bought into these capabilities in this journey. Yeah, I mean to simplify it to even a lower level than selling a business, if you think of as a supervisor and you promote someone or you give them new scopes of work in their job and you didn't take the time to truly ask if they were aligned with that. Right. I mean you hear that fairly often from employees and from people that are working under you that this isn't what I signed up for. Right. Well, that discussion should have already occurred, not once the the change has happened and you've picked that direction. So you have already set sail and are supposed to be reckoning. Then all of a sudden you end up in a situation of a mutiny. If you go back to your ship analogy in the old days of, Hey, we didn't sign up for this. And you, know, you have a problem on your hands then. Yeah. I was listening to a, an audio book, did a little travel this morning and it was a book called um, leadership boundaries by Dr. Henry cloud. And in there he talked about like 70 plus percent, of the problems that organizations have can be tied back to a misalignment of expectations, right? So again, knowing what you're, you need and where you're going and ensuring that those things are aligned, the plates for, for the laser, very, very important. And unless you communicate that, unless you start having those conversations, you don't know if indeed the organization is behind you. So, you know, you're saying, follow me, let's go over the hill and everyone, you turn around and there's no one behind you. Not a good situation. 
but that has to be dealt with early in the journey, not while you're on the journey. So it's pre-journey preparation, orient and alignment. Alignment, so key, especially around values. Well, and what percentage of that, that situation that Dr. Cloud's talking about do you believe is a alignment issue with presuppositions of, you know, ideas that the employees had of how this is oh, yeah. going to go forward versus. Yeah, sure. So I think there is a little nuance there. Certainly it's on the leaders to be clear on where they're going, why they're going. Like you said, potential obstacles. If you think of it this way of, if we're going to go from here, we talked about it when we assess in the Orient phase. Well, Orient, we laid out, you're here. We need to get here mm-hmm. in your personal skill set or whatever it may be. We didn't ask where they were aligned with going through the valley. Yes. get there and yes that valley is uh, scripted somewhat if you're talking about growth expansion of services expansion of markets but oftentimes those decisions are not scripted and they're triggered by outside events such as some of the things we have going on since 2020 which is tremendous in the last four mm-hmm. or five years of you know lockdowns inflation great resignations now i would argue a little bit of locking up in the system hesitation to spend money that you see um, a lot of those items, <clears throat> you know, are not things that you as the leader, you must communicate, you must spend time with your team, try to explain what's going on. Um, but I think that there is a percentage of that you have to be honest about that. Yes, we hired you for that. We wanted to do that. We said we were going to launch this item or make this CapEx expenditure. Now reality came right and right. knocked us around. So it's a C-state issue as opposed to a, charting a course issue and you know same thing on capturing the hill if you've lost too many men or the enemy has repositioned yes we said we were going there we're not going there anymore yeah exactly <laughs> so things uh, that definitely change so i think it's a having those open discussions with your team as often as possible of the difference between the two is one way to combat that you want your team to understand but some of what it, uh, i think occurs they bring to the table already of you know, what they thought the position was going to entail, what they thought the next year, the next two years was going to entail. And then, you know, a good portion of life is out of your control, unfortunately. So, And maybe we can spe- spend a minute or two here, because as you were speaking, there were a lot of questions that came to my mind and dilemmas that I've run into over my career. But how truthful are you with your employees during that discussion? Um, as As you were speaking, it reminded me of, sort of that famous advertisement that Ernest Shackleton put out before he embarked on his uh, trek across the South Pole and talking about, hey, you know, the, the conditions are going to be rough. There's a low chance of a success. There's a potential of death. I mean, it was pretty stark in, in what he was ex- uh, explaining of the potential conditions that they were going to encounter. And he got a great response to that. And then when they actually encountered a lot of adversity during that expedition, you know, they got stuck in the ice flows. It took them nearly two years. They had to make some very, you know, challenging decisions. But after that, when they finally recovered them some two plus years later, he didn't lose a single person. And the the mental toughness, the the camaraderie, the the, the just drive and perseverance of that crew. Yeah, I'm, I'm going back. Was it because he was upfront in the beginning? So perhaps you know, through your experience in growing the Rosewood family of companies, 
you know, where are the, where is that, that line? Do you just be brutally honest? And if you are brutally honest, are you afraid that's going to scare some people away? You know, the people are going to panic, you know, their, you know, fight or flight, as you talked about, is that going to kick in? And, and how do you balance that? What was your experience in growing Rosewood? Oh, I would say balance is important. I mean, we like to think of the brutally honest and the negative impact, but I've seen just as much problem of being overly transparent and where you're trying to go two or three waypoints down the road mm. um, has created as equally as many issues as when I failed to be, you know, as quick on the trigger of sharing negative news as, hey, you know, I plan on launching Southern concepts. We're going to do the coast, going to do Raleigh, eventually going to Florida. And we, you lay out this plan. Anything short of that plan going in order creates a problem because now yeah. you've laid out this whole, oh yeah, yeah. disappointments. So you set yourself up the other way as well. And so it's tough. I mean, the, the counter to that is uh, Sir Francis Drake and the story mm -hmm. of how he was the first Englishman to get around the world. So it wasn't an option to share with his crew. So the way that worked out was he had a secret deal with the Queen of England to go all the way around through South America, tip of South America, go onto the Pacific and pillage Spanish vessels. There were so many Spanish spies in England that they couldn't announce where they were going. So they set the ships up. The Armada and said they were going to Alexandria in um, northern Africa. Well, when they got to Alexandria, they just kept going and then shot across the Atlantic over to South America. And there is a quote that was recorded back then that one of the crew members said he'd rather been hung in London than be on this damn ship. Right. And so immediately started having issues to the point where his sponsor, who got him the funds to go on this trip, who was a nobleman, it started getting unruly on their vessel. It became a big issue. He ended up having to execute that gentleman on the beach. And so I think you are right. If they could have shared more transparently in the beginning, they may not have had that problem or your shackles. But correct reality did not set up a situation where they could do it because the whole mission would have not occurred had they shared it all. So, you know, it's nice in a, in a textbook setting of even as difficult as the Antarctic trip was to be able to lay out, hey, here's where we're going. Here's what we're going to have trouble with. We're liable to have major problems. In reality, if you're in a publicly traded company, you're trying to make a deal that you already have confidentiality agreements. You're working on a project that's confidential. The reality is you can't always share with your team what you're plotting two or three you know, steps down the road is just not how business works very often. So the balance is tough. I think that the more you are transparent when you can be transparent on things you can't share, you can build some trust. And, and the only reason they claim Sir Francis Drake didn't have a total mutiny is he had risen from the ranks of being a lower. He was not a nobleman. And so his crew had a ton of respect. So even though they were very unhappy trust. with this surprise, yeah. he had built up enough trust capital to where he spent quite a bit and it caused problems, but he had enough still in the bank, if you think of debits and credits, to survive this necessary kind of charade he had sure. to put on. And so there's not a clear answer on it. I do think that if you take as many opportunities to communicate, be transparent, share, it gives a little bit of cushion when there's times when realistically you can't share it. Yeah, and part of that, as you just mentioned, was reinforcement of what we've been talking about with this orient and align phases. Mm -hmm. Because we said that there's many people who believe you're going to get there in one giant leap, when in reality you're not. 
So it's important here to pick the next waypoint, not all of the waypoints, right. because conditions are going to change as time continues to move forward. And, and so in that case of Sir Francis Drake, right, he can only give one piece of the equation rather right. than the full equation. And so he gave enough, hopefully, to get the crew to get on board to Alexandria. And then when he had the next piece of information, he provided that as well. So I think that's that's the key element is to make sure that you're not getting too far ahead of yourself. And I think there there is a, a, a difficult challenge there because you want to be optimistic, right? You want people to buy in and you want them to be you know, on board for this longer journey because it needs lots of labor, needs lots of motivation, attention, and perseverance. But you've got to tame it back a little bit and just pick that next waypoint. Yeah, I mean, this is why you're in a leadership position. I mean, this is where you do have, this is why you already oriented yourself to be sure you're most likely to make the right decision. Don't look for the perfect one. But if you take that same, as we like, patterns, so the pattern we talked about uh, in one of our previous podcasts of helping someone just get the vacuum cleaner to the room and little tiny steps to get them moving in the right direction. You hear in the military, certainly in Navy SEAL and other types of training, that they kind of shrink, if you will, the distance of movement towards their goal. So if that's truly drag yourself one foot during hell week, right, right. that's what it is. That well, it we're is. talking the same thing again. So if we're talking you know, mental growth and getting over phobias and good clinical psychology. We're talking about truly, you know, performing in a very tough situation in, in the military or sport or life. And then we're talking business. It's really analogous. They're all analogous. They're the same thing over and over of, you know, get that scope as far as you reasonably can get. Mm-hmm. And if things are more and more uncertain, shorten that waypoint down because you don't want to give people a false sense of certainty and security because then you burn trust as well so it's it's a tough call it's why as you move up it gets harder and harder to lead you have a bigger vision and therefore you have way more variables and way more things to weigh out from you know what will be between here and the next spot and that brought to mind coming from uh, from technology you know agile right so we're we're not going to plan the whole thing we're going to do just enough to get something that we can share with the business owners so they can validate whether or not on the right track rather than going full bore on the development of a piece of software or a tool only to find out it wasn't what they wanted. So it, it, it has this iterative feel just enough, mm-hmm. get to a point, reorient, realign, and then what we're about to talk about, reckon, go to the next point, cover and move as we talked about in the military analogy. And yeah, I think that it's just those long-term incremental improvements that over time will make the huge success going back to james clear and atomic habits right it's the little things done over time and done consistently over time that generally generate the transformative effect but you got to have the discipline to keep doing the little pieces and so for us in helmwise we've been designing this methodology that if you keep on repeating it, we call it you know the infinity loop. You, it, it goes on forever. But as you go through each iteration, it's just another piece added on to another piece, added on to another piece. And it gives you enough adaptability to change because you're measuring smaller pieces. Therefore, if the environment changes, if the economy goes a different place, if one of your key people leave, 
or if you need to tack in a different direction for a short period of time, you can do that without jeopardizing you know, the longer term vision that you have set because you set the wrong expectations. Well, and the infinity loop also goes back to seasonality and things we've talked about is yeah. you must, when we use that analogy you, you brought up from, from military of moving to the next position, forward position, whatever it is, you must go back and orient every time. There you go. And so I think people get in the habit of we're all for good, we're running, everybody's behind me. Things changed. And so if you, again, go back to the military, you go forward and you've lost your comms person or your medic or who was carrying your ammo. And you better go back, reassess again who's in charge, what do you have with yeah, you. Exactly right. And then go again. And, and that's just the reality of business. And we often in life and business, we want to get it done, put it on this shelf back behind us yeah. and be done with it. And it's just not reality. And so I think if you can get into that discipline of, this is just how it goes. I'm getting ready. We've, we've aligned. Things changed. Uh-oh. Who's up? Let's realign and let's pick a direction. So, Well, you mentioned ammo. That brought to mind provisions. Here we yeah. are back in, into the C metaphor. So, you know, so what provisions do you need for your journey? And if I put that in, in business context, are, all right, we've taken analysis. We've oriented. We've aligned with our crew. We believe we have the right people, the right skill sets. Well, what are the, the conditions that have to be in place before we actually leave the dock? And that really comes into systems and processes mm -hmm. and things that are going to sustain the journey. You know, even even I have the right people, but if we don't have systems in place that can sustain mm -hmm. us going forward as a business and potentially as we get further out and we start to scale, you know, we can't, suddenly can't be stuck in the middle of the ocean. Otherwise, the doldrums come in. We're waiting for wind to propel us forward. Well, we should have planned for that and had some other mechanisms to move us forward. So really that understanding what you need and have in place from a business perspective before you embark is that transition from the align to the reckoning phase. Because you should not embark on your journey, even if you have the right people, unless you have the right provision to support you on that journey. Certainly you have the, the op side of it and you have the finance side. Finance side as well. <laughs> so, Absolutely correct. You know, those of you listening that have done startups or had investment, I mean, burn rates are important. Yeah. I'd imagine as a helicopter instructor and, and pilot, burn rates are pretty important in a helicopter. And they certainly are. You can't, Especially you, you don't get to the, glide that you're, one. You're looking the for the ship, right? Yeah. <laughs> Out in the ocean, for yeah, sure. Exactly right. Uh, so hard to glide a, a Huey in the middle of the ocean, I'd imagine. Yeah, it becomes a rock. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So uh, you do have to think about that as a professor, our uh, business guide's adjunct professor at UNC, and had a dinner with him, and that's what he likes to start his class with is why do businesses go out of business? And, of course, everyone gives the – you know, it wasn't a good market. You know, they had a bad product, yeah. bad reviews. And yeah. he goes, no, they run out of money. That's, That's exactly it. Right. They run out of money. Didn't have the provisions to move <laughs> so them forward. Right? As long as you have money, you can reinvent, you can rehire. But yeah. if you run out of money, you're done. And so um, it is important to make sure, even if everything else is aligned and you know this is where you want to go and your crew's all excited, if you don't have the processes and the ops capabilities and the financials, you go down either way. So yep. it is, it's not useful. So that comes to the kind of the final piece into reckoning. So reckoning is all about you've now set that direction. You're moving mm -hmm. forward. And the reckoning is the process you go through to constantly reevaluate. And, and you, you, you mentioned money. That's a great part of reckoning, right? Look, we planned a X burn rate. Are we actually burning at that rate? 
Are we burning higher at that rate? Because if so, then that's going to affect our journey and, and our ability to get to our destination. So the reckoning piece is just that constant reevaluation of the things we just talked about, right? Have we looked at ourselves? Are we aligned with our values? Have conditions changed? Do we have the right provisions? And so it's the repeating of the infinity loop process we talked about. But the reckoning piece is so key because quite often we embark on this next, towards this next waypoint without any true measures. And so we really don't know whether or not we're getting closer or further away. And, and spending the time in the beginning and understanding that we have to ensure we have a method to navigate by, to ensure that we're taking that, that uh, sextant out and seeing where we are from the, the celestial aspect of positioning and making sure that we're heading in the direction of our North Star. Even though we, we made a little tack over here because of conditions, we still know what we're orienting back towards. You know, that's a, a key part of the reckoning process. And that's why we say it's orient, align, reckon, which then brings you back to orient, align, reckon. And you keep on repeating that like the oars of a ship and it keeps moving the ship forward. So tell me your view of reckoning, you know, as you were navigating Rosewood and, and some of the individual companies. I'm sure you had some measures that you were. Yeah, some useful ones and some, and some bad ones. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I would say one of the certainly early on, you know, you're watching extremely tight because you're setting out and kind of really in the unknown. Um, and so, you know, we talk about kind of audit rates. So once you, an auditing rate to us is just how often you better recheck those gauges. And so yeah. you lay out those measures, you know, as you first get going and you're getting getting kind of your flow, if you think of it that way. You better be making the rounds pretty quick to make sure that you're, you know, making progress. One and and two that everyone is still in alignment and knows what their roles and their positions are, and you're clear about it. Communicate often. I think then you you kind of pull a little bit back, and then you try to narrow down the number of KPIs, key performance right, indicators, right. or you know whatever you want to call them. There's a lot of different names for them. You you have the list, but you can narrow those down to where you are hitting, you know, the higher level gauges, and then. You have the other group that is, is most important as you move up an organization is certainly when you get to the ones that are you know, leading versus lagging. You want them all to be leading, but in reality, sometimes they're more business metrics than they are KPIs. So we Correct. like to divide it up that way of a business metric is truly, I need you to, to complete X number of tasks per day, per hour, however you break it up. It's a scorecard. I mean, scoreboard right, is right. tracking. It's not... You know, necessarily a leading. Now you can kind of twist a couple of those and make them more leading, uh, but I, I usually refer to those as business metrics. Your actual KPIs, we try to make leading, and so they are things that we like to do that we think are most likely to drive us towards success, towards Correct. a stated objective, whether that's towards the actual goal or just a stated objective for that department or for that service or that product. Um, and I think there's a lot of learning to be done, and it's very difficult in some departments to actually even come up with a leading KPI. Uh, to me, finance, which is the easiest one to keep score on, mm -hmm. is actually one of the hardest ones to get a leading get indicator. a leading indicator yeah. on. So it's a, it's a little hard to, uh, you know, all a, a a lot of accountants want to do is give you smaller increments of the same lagging indicator, and right. then claim if you watch those, you know more quickly where you're going. Well, right. it's, it's still a past event. And sometimes that's all you can get. So it's it's um, it's a tough balance. But yeah. how have you seen it? You certainly have done a lot in the ops area and, and 
run a lot of dashboards. Yeah, it, it's it's surprising when you talk about leading versus lagging indicators. <clears throat> you know, in well, the way I try to explain the difference between those two is a leading indicator is something that you can influence versus a lagging is Good. well, there's nothing I can do about it, right? You know, we we didn't make money last quarter. Well, guess what? I can't go back last quarter and fix it. Um, and so I try to look for those things that that give me those early triggers. And so perhaps for me, leading indicators are what are those things that are going to trigger me that something is changing? It's starting to change. It hasn't changed, meaning past tense. It's starting to in present tense. And, you know, going back to our sea metaphor, I know that, you know, back in the old huge sailing ships, they used to have these little pieces of cloth that were on the sails and they could look at those pieces of cloth and how they were being blown in which direction to get early indicator of how the wind is shifting. And some of that was an early indicator of the potential of a storm coming or, hey, we're moving in a different uh, area of the, of the sea where conditions and currents are changing. Therefore, we've got to adjust the ship appropriately. And so I'm looking for those little triggers. Those are my leading indicators. What are those things that I'm tracking that are going to give me those early estimates? Because now I can still make a rudder change without the, the ship suddenly being in peril. Here I can make a change to the business without putting the business in peril. I still can make a change in our sales or our marketing so that we can achieve our revenue numbers by quarter end. And so really for me, the leading indicator is looking for those small triggers. And that's also in a dashboard. It makes no sense <coughs> capturing a bunch of information onto a spreadsheet or onto a dashboard unless that is giving you some sort of indication that conditions are changing. So a dashboard should always be accompanied by some sort of color coding. A red, amber, green, right? And green, things are on course, things are doing well. I don't really have to pay a lot of attention to it. But as it gets to that amber or that yellow state, I need to start looking about what am I going to do next? Because if it turns red, it's too late. It's now a big problem. It's an issue. It's something that has halted the trajectory of the business. But if you can't look at the information that you're capturing on your dashboard and just in a glance say, I need to be attent paying attention here, here, and here, or maybe just one place, then your dashboard isn't doing anything rather than something for you to talk about in a meeting or at a QBR just to say, I'm doing business. But the bottom line is you're not leading your business. It's the proper use of a dashboard, would good color coding, would good, uh, good triggers that are going to keep you off the rocks on your journey to the next waypoint. Realistically, how do you handle the more left brain operators in your business yeah. when you bring up leading indicators. And so what I'm hitting at there is by definition, even though it is adjustable, often their response in my experience is, well, why are you measuring that? You can't say A plus B plus C equals X. And so how, how do you deal with that debate of, you know, they, they want certain certainty out of, yeah, well, I was, I was you know, just so going to go down that what, path. What is right? your little, you know, I don't care about your little fabric on the cell. That doesn't yeah. mean for sure that the wind's coming from Correct. the north to the Correct. northeast. Um, so how do you deal with that that inevitable portion as you grow a business large enough to start bringing in, you know, more of the people that are generally in that mindset, a lot of your real strong operators, um, certainly a lot of your, your coding database software guys, a lot of them want, mm -hmm. they like their math to line up. Obviously, Yeah, they, they want to turn it into an <clears throat> equation. You're yeah. right. So as much as we, we capture KPIs, we capture metrics, we, we, we think, like you said, there's, a, there's this magic equation 
that if, if I figure out that equation, I enter the right variables, it's going to give me a guaranteed answer at the end. Well, unfortunately, business is no guarantee because it has so many variables that impact it. The individuals that are in your company impact it. The market impact it. The customer impacts it. As soon as you enter a human into the equation, all bets are off. There is no perfect answer. And I think that as, as business leaders, you have to be honest, transparent with your, your individual leaders as well as your overall organization about there is no guarantee. All we're trying to do is find the solution of things or the combination of things that give us a better probability that we will be successful. You've mentioned it a couple of times. We want to kill off all the bad stuff so that we're focusing on a smaller number of things, but good things that have a better chance of getting us to that next waypoint. And from that waypoint, reorient, going through or, and then get to the next waypoint. So we've got to get away from there's a perfect answer. There's one solution. There's a perfect framework. There's a perfect um, you know, uh, system that is going to guarantee success. Not happening. You're living in a fantasy world. Yeah, and I think people, um, I don't think they're always disingenuous or snake oil salesmen. I think that when they get the right answer at the right time, they truly believe when they market it as a as a new book, a new methodology, mm -hmm. a new mm -hmm. operating system, a new way of, you know, measuring and analyzing your business, the uh, latest way to market, you know, here's how you, you know, it's simple. You do social media marketing like this and that. What they fail to realize, which is a big part of, of certainly Helmwise and the cohorts that, that you have put on and hosted and have been happy to be part of, conditions change the whole time. Absolutely and correct. so we see a lot of people, we've covered it, I believe, in this conversation and previous, again, on podcasts, is people buy the book over and over and over again, trying to find the answer that's going to fix it. And what they don't realize is what fixed it today doesn't Correct. guarantee it's going to fix it tomorrow. Correct. And so a methodology of constantly, again, orienting, mm -hmm. aligning to make sure you take into account where you are now, where your team is now, where's the C state, where's the business, that will eliminate things that may have worked in the past. Um, so if you study white caps, one of the things that we have, often as you grow a business through its kind of life cycle and it continues to scale, what got you to the next white cap that was exactly successful right. in the past loop yeah. many times is one of the things that will kill you in the next size so that we've talked about that creativity is amazing and it has uh, same amount of impact in smaller areas probably as you get larger but the whole company can't be creative as you start to scale because then you get no consistency there you go then you start getting consistency then you get in kind of a trap of well, now we're so consistent that we're stuck stuck in our ways and we're not innovating. innovating so exactly you've right. got all kinds yeah. of, and then you get too centralized. And so, you know, then you move into the, the real answer is there's no perfect answer. And so I think that one of our main thesis of Helmwise and, and certainly one of the ways that we view business is stop looking for the answer to your point. Start looking for the methodology and the discipline and the disposition of, hey, here's a trigger, a problem change in the environment, quick assessment, right. orient, get your people back aligned, decide what you want to do, pick a direction to go, and then set off and reckon, and then make sure we have those metrics and KPIs and the things that are necessary, not only to provision and launch, but to 
sell underway, and then to know when you meet it. That's another area that I know you are, are a stickler on is, do you have SMART goals? Yeah. And if you don't have a, a reckoning system that tells you you made it to the destination, that's just as dangerous as the rest of them because <laughs> exactly then you right. go right past and you didn't go back in, reprovision, reorient, realign. Right. And so you, you risk that as well as you don't yeah. even know you made the next point. Talk a little bit about SMART goals to kinda, and how they play into to reckoning. and Right. Yeah, I mean, the SMART goal concept <coughs> has been around for a long time, specific, measurable, obtainable, realistic, and time-bound. And, and it's just a way to ensure that the objective that you have set, the goal that you have set, it can be measured objectively, meaning we know when we got there. And so that you're not just continuing to just drift about. And unless you have that specificity to your way, to getting to your waypoint or your next destination, as you said, you can sail right past it. And as we mentioned, things are always changing. So you can get yourself into conditions where, hey, you thought this was going to be a trip to the tropics. You head a little bit too far south. And next thing you know, you know, you're starting to see ice form. Not a good thing. Um, and so having those specific goals, make sure that you actually understand when you hit that destination. And now, again, you can go through the process. And what you mentioned before about, obviously, no perfect science and our core discipline or our core thesis of there's always trying to find the right question at the right time at the right depth. And then going through the process again, I'm going, all right, now what is the right question at the right time at the right depth? Because the question I just had before and answered through this four process was good for then, but things have changed since that time. So let's go through it again and revalidate. But all of the things that we've been talking about through our podcasts you know, it can be a bit confusing. It's like, oh, I got to think about this and I got to think about that. And how do you keep all these pieces, you know, sort of you know, aligned to a point where you can use it effectively? Well, that's the methodology that we're talking about, right? It's, it's just this sequential thing that you're doing and looking at it from a big picture perspective. Have I analyzed myself? Have I analyzed my business? Do I know where I am? Do I know where I'm going? Do I have the right people? Do I understand the conditions I'm going to get in? Do I have the right provisions? And do I have a way of measure? Just keep on doing the basics. Don't get it too complicated. Just do the basics. And if you do it enough, it will become habitual. It will become part of your DNA. And you'll naturally look at a situation, take that pause, understand any effects of the neurochemicals that are happening in the brain, communicate with your team, orient to your next goal, Take an assessment of your provisions and you're on again. And you'll start doing it instinctively. But you have to get yourself into the pattern. Because unless you do that consistently, again, nothing gets reinforced. And I read a new book and I'm going to throw this piece of it in it. Now, another book, I'll put this piece into it. And it gets more and more complicated soup. Do the basics, the blocking and tackling, as we've said before. Yep. So, final comments and we'll bring the ship into port here and put another Helmwise uh, powerhouse perspective in the books. No, I think you wrapped it up well. I definitely think that the, the discipline is the key part. And so not, not discipline in the sense of repetitively doing the same one individual action. It's a repetitive assessment. There you go. And a repetitive of realigning, reorienting, yeah. and then picking a new destination. And so if you watch, I'm sure, I don't know how bad it was when you're, 
you know, piloting a helicopter. And I guess you didn't have GPS. You didn't get to see. You we did a, not. We you had, had a map. 50 map. And then one fifty map. You had a map. Mark one, mod one eyeball. Those but two but it is pretty have. funny to assume that when you look on a GPS, especially in the ocean, when you're when you're traveling on a boat and captaining a boat, that you think you're going to just, you know, you pick the spot, you pick the spot in the open ocean, and you assume you're going to go in a straight line. And if you go back and you look at that course, that that chart plotter looks a whole lot more like that than it does a straight line. And so there's so many things. Even if you took the helm, locked it fully straight, right? Wind, current, waves. Hitting the boat, exactly it's, right. It's Pushing going it left and right. There's, it's just not very many times in life where the, it's going to be a straight line. And so business is exact same. So if you're going to get a discipline about something, don't get disciplined about holding the helm straight in a straight line. That that's kind of ignorance. Get disciplined about reassessing right. how your vessel's going, how fast are you going, what's your heading, what are your own course now, you know, what is the sea? Is it better to go? You know, what we like to call kind of the trough, kind of quarter of the sea or take a head sea, which is going to slow you. There's a lot of things to think about. But if you just constantly walk through it, taking those assessments becomes easier because everything else has already been gathered out of habit. There you go. Exactly right. Exactly right. That would be my close. All right. So that's it. Today we covered OR, Orient, Align, and Reckoning. And I hope you'll join us again for the next version of the Powerhouse Perspective. Have a good day. Cheers. Thank you.